Welcome back to another episode of the Keen Light Podcast, the pre whiskey podcast with the title of, or the the mention of whiskey in its title now because we changed the Keen Light Podcast to the Keen Lake Whiskey Podcast. Big changes, Callum. Big changes. Welcome back, our senior Scottish correspondent to the podcast, all the way from the DR. (laughs) Yes. Had a good time. I'm I'm glad to be back, though. And a bit of color, too. A little bit of color, yeah. Uh, That might be from Chicago because Chicago is hot. It's burning. It's he's burning. pink now. He's not white. He's pink. Oh. <laughs> awesome. And always with me is Wilson Ramon Razor Torres. <laughs> Ramon. Hey, young world. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. Good to see you, my friends. And we've taken a little field trip over to Little Village today yeah. to visit yeah. Mike Moreno for the third time here at Osita's Tap. Second time here. Mike's Second third time, time to the podcast. Correct. Welcome back, Mike. Gentlemen, how are you all doing tonight? <laughs> tonight? Uh, today? 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 This is how yeah. yeah. What do yeah. you mean? Tonight, <laughs> today, room? tomorrow. The, the room is a little dark. So. Don Miguel is back in the house. Yeah. I guess it's a little bit of a heavy heart morning in Chicago right now after yeah. uh, some looting and rioting took mm. place overnight. We're recording on Monday, August 10th, and unfortunately, uh, a vast part of the city was um, a lot of criminal activity took place where stores were rioted and looted, and dealing with the repercussions of it all here in Chicago today, it's a little saddening, a little frustration, but uh, I guess we'll uh, have it upon ourselves to cheer each other up. We do, but you know, I think we, we can start there because I'm very, I, yeah. I think considering Little Village, Moreno's, as Mike will, pr- will get into a little bit more, um, is located in Little Village. Little Village is a whole me, you know, they got it, they hold it down <laughs> within themselves. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a neighborhood that watches out for one another. It's very deep rooted in culture, very deep rooted in, um, in family. Um, religion and uh, food and um, just old school Chicago vibe and Mike being that you are one part of that any fear that that may even I mean you guys hold it down for sure but any fear that that maybe even get yeah I mean challenged so a little bit close to Mike obviously obviously with everything that that's been going on um, it's been a crazy year right well for sure let's start there yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's been a crazy year you know you have the pandemic that that happened and considering that the beginning of this year was actually uh we were it was a very optimistic Mm. looking year i mean 2019 was one of our best years over at the store and then Mm -hmm. with my bar ositos tap opening up we were doing fantastic over here i mean the sales for just february which is should be one of the slowest months. We're really, really good. And everybody was saying that across the city, too, about just the start of the year, which unlike oh, any other we were, start. We yeah. And middle. just to interrupt yeah. real quick before we get into it, um, on episode 49, Mike went really in-depth to the neighborhood, and then the opening of Citos would j- just happen maybe like three or four weeks um, prior, after, to prior to that conversation. So yeah. do you want to get the whole in-depth knowledge of Mike's background with Ositos and Moreno's um, as a liquor store and then just the history and what that what this whole place means to the neighborhood? Please go back and listen to episode 49. But stay here listen to us too (laughs) (laughs) yeah please go ahead yeah so you know um the the year itself was going fantastic and then you had the pandemic and i'm sure we're going to get more into detail about all that but um when the riots started happening over in 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 june Mm -hmm. it um it definitely was extremely unsettling and, and and a very tough time i mean to see my city that i love so much uh literally burning yeah. And and uh, the, the riots and I, I felt, you know, I felt for the people all the frustration that was going on in the city. Um, but when I woke up in the morning, you know, I woke up with anxiety uh, because I heard and I started getting calls and reports that the rioting was happening mm. early As today. You talking about? No, I'm talking okay. about back in June. June, June, yeah. um, June so yeah. first or something, right? Yeah. June first or something. Yeah. So when that happened, um, I immediately rushed down to the store. 
And so last night when I was sleeping, or right when I was about to go to sleep and I saw all of this happening all over again, it definitely was disconcerting. Um, so we're hoping that, that everyone, you know, stays safe mm -hmm. and, and that we're, we're able to, to kind of make it through this. But um, it's just hard. It's hard for everybody. I understand there's a lot of frustration out there. There's a lot of, a lot of issues going on. And, um, and this is, these are very deep-rooted mm -hmm. issues. Right. Um, so it's not something that's, that can be fixed overnight. And, and I think it's going to take a little bit of time before mm -hmm. we're able to move through this. But uh, to say that I'm not worried and I'm not, I'm not uh, to an extent, a little scared, uh, would be an understatement. Mm -hmm. I think everybody, I think people that that um, that truly care, people that that understand, they're not afraid to say that uh, I'm scared. Yeah. Because you you put your whole life's work into this, and and the last thing you want is to see all that get destroyed. But at the same time, you get worried predominantly because of your employees. You want to make sure your employees are safe. Yeah. You want to make sure your neighbors are safe. And yeah, because you can't you can't insure the employee. I mean, obviously they are insured, and but you, you can't replace them, right? If something happens, right. to them. I, I mean, thought you said shoot an employee. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I almost spit uh, out. Please don't shoot. Right. Please don't shoot any employees. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you guys just took this to a whole. Yeah, other yeah sorry, man. Sorry, sorry. No, and two, like people will say, well, it was big box stores and big international chains yeah. that were affected today. Um, it's true. Yeah, they will. I'm sure they have insurance and everything like that. But the people of your community work there. That's how they make their paycheck. Yeah. If that store is not open. They can't go make their living as either. And for selfish reasons, frustra frustration obviously um, leads to a lot of the systematic um, things that are happening in Chicago for you know generations and generations. But it doesn't seem like violence yep. and tearing down a city is the there's answer to it. There's definitely something in the water at the moment, though. You yeah. know, I think that um, originally back in June, we did, a, we did a, a bunch of pods and, you know, dealing with the aftermath and kind of talking through that. And I think that all of us were like, you know, the four, the four, three, four months that we've been all locked in our houses, people are going a little bit stir crazy anyway. Yeah. And this, you know, the, since the riots, since the protests, there's there's definitely been a feeling of, uh, you know, an unsettling feeling in Chicago. You know, and we were just talking about that in the car over here. Um, that the other day, you know, there was a shooting in broad daylight on Oak Street on the Gold Coast. You know, it's like one of the, ni it's arguably one of the nicest streets in Chicago. Yeah, sure. And there was three people shot in broad daylight. You know, and it's just like man what's going on well let's put it into perspective here so yeah there's been systematic racism especially within this city i mean think about it chicago is the most hyper segregated city oh, absolutely in the, in the yeah. world not absolutely. just the country in the world <laughs> yeah absolutely. i mean that's one of the things that makes chicago super unique but at the same time it causes a lot of division and a yeah. lot of a lot of racial tension and problems yeah um what's going on is there's definitely people that yeah a hundred percent. People are at home. They're not making money. There's frustration. They have more time to think about what's going on. But at the same time, there's opportunists that are also coming in. Yeah. So, you 100%. know, the, the, the people like um, like you were mentioning about, about that shooting that happened, there are people taking advantage of the situation that the police are spread thin. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people feel like like they could get away with this now. And, yeah. and it, it's definitely um I mean, concerning. there were hundreds of people last night, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so insane. It's it's this mix. It's a mix of, of 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 different you know people's cultures, ideas that are that are coming together here, and um, and it, it's definitely it's showing. And we haven't seen anything like this since the, the Chicago riots back in the the late sixties. So, um, it it just this is this is what we have to deal with right now. But at the same time, I think people need to understand uh, why all of this is going yeah. on. People aren't just on the streets 
rioting, protesting for nothing. I mean, people mm -hmm. are, are out there because they feel that there is no change. Yeah. This is turning into a political podcast now, yeah. I guess. I think there's always a little political talk. And that's fine. I we mean, always saw the line. Yeah. Everyone's opinion at, you know, at the table is Alcohol's been individual. a big part of sure. politics over the years um, in America. <laughs> so. But to, to piggyback off what you just said, Mike, I think last night's or early this morning's actions were not out of despair. They were not out of because there's a need. It was mm. criminal. It was absolutely criminal. Now, I'm not saying that thoughts of any actions that you take on your own is your own doing, your own decision, on your own merit, and you're willing to suffer the consequences if caught. But last night was absolute criminal. Where is that line? You know, and how does that affect business? How does that affect your business, Mike? I mean, you're not near that. Yeah. But like I said, Little Village holds it down for one another. But what well, if it crosses that? I mean, it's it's definitely going to affect us no matter what. Mm. Um, uh, Mayor Lightfoot just announced <laughs> today that the curfew is at 8 o'clock. Is that just for downtown so, or is the whole city now? You know, I'm not sure. It That's sounded the like thing. the downtown loop area when I when she first came on the news at like 8.30 this morning. But hey, you know, last couple hours, I have no problem with it's changed a little bit. I've been hearing about other businesses not in the loop area that, that are closing They're early. Closing right. Early. My so wife's office is closed. I mean, she doesn't yeah. go in anyway, but well, like 5% of their company went back into the merchandise mart. Yeah. But they're closed today anyway, regardless. So it's, it's you know, it, 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 to say it's not going to affect us is, of course, it's going to affect us. It's of definitely... But it, it's definitely, it, it's a topic that it's very sensitive. I think people need to, one of the hardest things for people to understand is, is to, or, or one thing that, that I, I feel that, um, that isn't going on as much is I'd like to see more empathy in, in this city. I'd like to, people to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there needs to be some form of respect. Right. And the, the small businesses um, that are around here are yeah. really, we're struggling. I mean, yeah. um, my store is doing great, but my bar has, has definitely not gotten to that point where it once was, where we were, you know, doing very well, and um, we're still struggling on this other side. So, if anything, what what I do at my my, my store is just offsetting the issues the that I'm already that had. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Mm. Especially for a new business as well. Yeah. yeah. As so, your family who's been here for decades, you know, running this store, how have they seen over the years? How they how have you guys reacted to it? Is there anything anything comparable to this where society is in such an upheaval? Yeah, I mean, again, if you go back to the, the riots in the, in the 60s when yeah. Martin Luther King got shot, um, my father lived through that. Mm -hmm. and the stories that he's told me are um, things that were hard, I should mm -hmm. say, were hard to imagine. But after everything that's happened this year, um, I've seen a lot of a lot of different issues mm. uh, throughout the city and, and, and witnessed things that, that um, I feel like a lot of people shouldn't have to deal with. Right. But at the same time, it's kind of waking people up to realize, you know, these are the these are the real problems that are going on, and, and people in 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 more underserviced uh, minority communities have to deal with more often than in other parts of the city. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys have you had that response from custom are customers coming here for more um, daily needs like water, juices, and things like that? When it comes to instead of going out to other stores, maybe going to the place the closest place to you. Yeah, um, we've seen a drastic spike in in water sales, Coke. You know, any any form of, of, of uh, non so, yeah, non-alcoholic mm. um, drinks as well as food and stuff like that, even though all we have is like chips and, <laughs> you know, we don't have anything <laughs> super crazy over there. But um, but we've definitely noticed that as well is, you know, people are staying closer to home. Right. They're staying closer yeah. to home. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I was trying to figure out with all that. And obviously people are going to 
more of the local establishments when it comes out when they do go out for a couple hours and have a drink or have a bite to eat because so wait, you were open for about what four months before the pandemic hit five months ish yeah we were open for four months and then um, we had to shut down and that was that was a really hard day yeah I that bet. day was um just looking back at everything i mean it, it, it definitely um was not something that that we expected i mean i had put my whole life into this bar yeah, yeah and you had staff from all over the city coming to work here too yeah correct yep. i mean mm-hmm. it wasn't just neighborhood people it was people that believed in well, you were very you. selective though at the same time in your yeah. hiring yeah 100 percent. i think that one thing that the more we speak to people that have owned that own bars and uh, you know, we're speaking to Bob over at Fountainhead. We've had him on a couple, a couple of times. And the first time he was on, speaking about the bar, something that kind of occurred to me in, in that moment was that, you know, there's o- obviously there's the financial repercussions of all this happening. You know, people lose money. Yeah. This bar, you know, Osito's been closed. And like you were saying, it's offset by the liquor store. But there's a massive, like, emotional toll that it takes on you as well, right? Because 100%. You, you pour your heart and soul into something. And, you know, the, the typical cliche is obviously blood, sweat, and tears, right? <laughs> but, like, from an emotional standpoint, what is that like, you know, when, when you had to close for the pandemic and, you know, you thought you'd said that you'd had a great start, you know, the four months, obviously, if you'd had November, December, I'm sure that was crazy. But then you said that even January, February looked really, really good. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get halfway through March and you're like, shit, like, we've got, we've got, we've got to dial this back and we don't know when this is going to come back. Like, what is that like? Yeah, you know, um, the everything leading up to the pandemic was was already very surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> watching the world yeah, kind of yeah. just <laughs> fall apart. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> insane. It was, it was really... It's still falling apart. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's not, not much has changed. No, <laughs> no, yeah, we're just we're just now a little falling more down around us. Yeah, right. uh, exactly. We're just like, oh, this is this is the reality. But back then, everything seemed like like a like a crazy dream. Um, hmm. I remember the last Saturday we were open, and there were a lot of people that were coming into the bar because yeah. everybody knew right. that it was getting bad. It was and St. Patty's weekend too. Yep. People are out. Well, it, see around here, so St. Patty's Day weekend doesn't make a, a okay. huge difference. Um, it was quiet throughout the entire day, but as the day had gone on, mm. people were like, was, oh my God, we gotta yeah. go get a drink. It's it the was, last exactly, one. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the bar overall, people that know my bar know, understand that you know this is a, a more intimate kind of vibe. Yeah. People come in here, they have a drink, they relax. But that night, people were just getting drunk it, <laughs> it was like everybody um even i was like you know what i like after i saw after i saw what was going on in here they were just making me more sca- like worried i was like oh my gosh there's like people are drinking a lot more than usual yeah. i was like i think i should probably take that shot now <laughs> um, so it was it was it was worrisome and i said I, we you know i looked at my bar manager and we both kind of kind of said that uh, this is probably going to be our last like large crowd coming in, and sure enough, the next day it was a ghost town. Yeah, I mean Sunday, there was, man, I think for the entire day we might have gotten like 15 people that came in through these doors. Wow. Yeah. And um, I remember we were going out. So the day that they closed us down, which was that following mm. Tuesday, I don't remember. Monday night was last night. Yeah. Was it Monday night? Yeah. It was oh, you're right. It was Monday. Everything was up until nine o'clock. 100. percent So now I remember. So. We're usually closed on Monday, that's why. Yeah. But because of everything that was going on, we had decided we'll 
we're going to stay open one last day. But before all of that had happened, I was going out with my girlfriend. We were grabbing a bunch of a uh, bunch of food and, mm-hmm. and trying to stock up. Right. When I heard the report from uh, the, the governor on, on the radio, it just shattered me. Yeah. I mean, it was like to, to think this, you know, this bar took me two years to build. Right. Um, as far as like when I had, where I had started to get the, concept the and everything, yeah. yeah, exactly the concept, everything going into it, and then to watch it all fall apart within four months, um, I was like, that's it. Like yeah. I didn't know what what the next steps were, and um, and I I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's giving me no. chills just yeah. thinking about it. To be honest with you, because it was it was really tough. It mm-hmm. was really tough, and uh, the store started slowing down as well, and and nobody knew what was going to happen next and um it it was it was this point where you're looking around and and you're like this is this can't be happening right now like this is a a nightmare this is some sort of bad dream like okay the the joke's over i want to wake up yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but it 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 didn't end um however it was it was i I feel like the resilience of of kind of the businesses that that i have here yeah my family me my bar manager everybody that was working together and uh, two weeks after that, we were like, you know what? We're not going to allow this to stop right. us. Like, this is yeah. this is too crazy, and we worked too hard to get to where we are to say, you know what? Let's close it all down. Right. And we immediately started kind of reinventing ourselves and doing those cocktails to go. Right. Yeah. When we heard that first report, and it was only going to be two weeks, but you knew. I knew it wasn't going to be right. two weeks. I wanted to – everyone kind of really knew that. I, yeah. I think mostly – bar owners and people that were more owner, owners of establishments versus like us as reps or people that are patrons or bartenders were like, yeah, it's just two weeks. We'll figure it out. But people that actually stake into a business financially were like, there's no way this is two weeks. It's not going to be a quick fix. Yeah. Like the NBA shut down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we always talk about that when the NBA shut down. It's when we knew it was serious. The yeah. world that kind of was taking it more serious at that point. Yeah. I mean, I thought I thought I knew it wasn't going to be two weeks, but right. my my impression was that it was going to go until the end of April. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people were like, "Okay, we locked down for a month and a half. That should be enough time." But we had no idea what was going uh, on. I was speaking to some friends over the other side of the pond um, in Europe, and oh. like, I was wondering what oh, pond. that that <laughs> pond. Yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> it was like El Charco. Um, the one in Humboldt? The, no, the, the other side of the ponds. Um, <laughs> the smallest of ponds. Um, and they're like, they're, they're, there's a lot of it's just incredulity about what's happening over here. You know, they're just like, like people, are, people like are getting in touch with me. And they're like, dude, like what's going on in America? Like what's happening? Yeah. Like, it, you know, uh, I've got a friend, she lives in Italy and she was like, yeah, like we, the Italy shut down for a full month and it was like really everybody was really panicky but now it's more or less they're back like at least yeah. back like it the, the stores are open people are you know following socially they're still socially distanced and stuff mm-hmm. you know still wearing the masks and everything but you know the businesses are back right and she was like dude like it looks like you guys have been in this for you know it, it doesn't look like it's getting better in the united states like nothing's changing you know, and she was like, when you were quarantined, like, was everybody else quarantined? And I was like, to be honest, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on in the United States. Right. I, I'm totally Nobody lost, does. man. I'm totally lost because mm. um, obviously my, my parents as well, like, they're a little bit just, they, they, they're curious as to how the situation is getting to where it was. You know, I know yeah. that we reached 5 million cases the other day. Yep. And it's just like, 
we're, like a quarter we're, of those are in Texas now. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're we're just the buck stop, <laughs> or man. Eight, you know, like excuse me. When are we gonna get? When are we gonna get our head screwed on? You know, and when are things gonna change? But well, yeah. there's a lot of pride, a lot of ignorance that goes in that all throughout the cr- country, obviously. But then cell phone data recently is showing that people are more mobile they are now than they were pre-quarantine. So people are still traveling, going across yeah. the United States, taking it with them. Sturgis this week happening in South Dakota with 250,000 people coming to a very small rural area of South Dakota. Is not going to help the cases. A lot of land well, in South Dakota, though they can spread out. Well, it's fine during the day, <laughs> but uh, you know, at nights when the bars are packed, no one's wearing masks on the sidewalks to begin with during the day. So, what's going to change at That's night? True. But um, it's you know, it's but we all find that pivot point, you know. And I, th- I hope uh, you know. And you started with cocktails to go, Mike. Was I think as college football's getting canceled right now. No, I just we're not. No, just did. No, just got the alert. No. I'm serious. <laughs> so oh, maybe. Wow. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm just joking, but uh, oh. <laughs> it's going to. But um, I think that will help out yeah, a little bit of seriousness. Yeah, because you because you started with your cocktails to go. That was your first pivot. Yeah, and then small plates. Um, small plates to go. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So no, we actually didn't start with the food to go. Um, oh, okay. So our 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 food menu at the bar. Obviously not at my store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a restaurant at the store. Darn it. Not in yet. any case. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, <laughs> I guess the this, is, business. this is behind the, like, you just walk right in behind and there you are. Yeah. But uh, the menu has expanded drastically at the bar and we have a far larger menu now. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was aware that bars are being targeted. We were like, right. shit, I felt like we were public enemy number one. They were like, it's the bars. They're the reason why the pandemic is still going on. Everyone kept, you know, going after us. And I was thinking, well, wait a second. You know, it's not necessarily the bars. It has, in my opinion, it had more to do with specific areas and specific bars yes. in, the, in the city, as well as restaurants. Can't like, generalize the entire industry. Exactly, because it, it hurts all of us. I mean, the last thing I want or other small businesses want is to get shut down. And we're taking the precautions. Right. Yeah. It's you, those. Because you, you look at here, you're already spaced out six feet yep. in your booths. And your tables are far apart. And they're spaced in the middle of the bar. And the bar is big enough where you're not right in the face of the bartenders either when you're sitting at the bar. Like, there's exactly. responsible areas which you've built like this. Exactly. And they're all throughout the city. Yep. And then you say, well, there's like two neighborhoods in Chicago that are causing the most trouble when it comes to spreading the virus or potentially going to spread the virus when we open back up. And guess what? It's happening like that right now. And then yeah. we're seeing it all across the country, too. There's 50 to 60 more establishments yeah. in New York that were just fine over COVID violations this weekend. Um, New York's taking it seriously, man. Yeah. They've, they, like, I can't believe looking at it now and looking at the case numbers and stuff now that originally New York was the first, you know, it was such a mess. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. now they're, they're in single digits like every day. It's insane. So It comes across to me, though, Mike, that you intentionally had your concept for Ositos already had that, that, uh, that, the intimacy already built in so mm-hmm. you didn't really have to do much inside except taking extra precautions for your staff and of course your your yeah. patrons i mean because to me you already had that built in to not extent, a lot of yes. space for you to sit not a lot of tables just enough to create a really nice vibe well we you know we put a lot i think a lot into to reopening i mean we if you look around the bar that i have currently you know you're seeing the plexiglass Correct. that i put up behind between the barriers between the bar mm-hmm. and the customers. But at the same time, I think more of that work went into the outside mm-hmm. area as well as um, safety precautions, you know, making sure that we were getting enough hand sanitizer and mm-hmm. and um, uh, educating my, my employees on, on the proper steps to be taken to not only protect themselves, but to protect the, the public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So in here, I mean, max capacity currently is only 12 people. That's Jeez. all I could have in the bar. However, how big is the outdoor? How big is the outdoor? So area? yeah, that that is where it really changes. I have um, in the front of the bar, which I call the patio, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> the side, which is in my my parking lot that I like to call the lounge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the parking lounge. Yeah, exactly. The parking lounge, exactly. So, you know, and that they had. Um, Customers love that too. It's like, where yeah. would you like to sit? The patio or the lounge? And they're like, ooh. Like, <laughs> what's that? Way to spice it up for me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to check out that lounge. But, you know, there is a little bit, a slightly different kind of feel yeah. in the side compared to the front. The front yeah. is a little more open. Aye. The side of, of, my, um, of my outdoor seating has this more like, uh, again, somewhat intimate vibe. Um, but I have that beautiful mural that I put in there. And, I wanted the whole outdoor uh, seating to have this uh, this vibe that you would find something more similar to like Mexico City, mm. um, and that's what I wanted. I, I felt like you know we're missing something like that, and so it's it's very different. It's a, a staunch contrast from the inside of, of my business. Um, you know, the inside it has this warm kind of Chicago vibe and feel, but the outside has more of this like wow like where am i right now you know mm. you that's the whole point is i want people to get submerged in the business where they're not really sure where they are yeah and you go inside and you go outside and you're like these are totally different you need places. to pop in for a drink please you do, do. You do. <laughs> was um was the outdoor space something you thought of before we were even talking about that in the government uh i guess publicly about that having the outdoor spaces and dine out series happening across the city yes and no so we've always been or, or we've tried to be two steps ahead yeah uh, unfortunately i feel like a lot of the the businesses a lot of the bars mm. out there aren't really thinking ahead they're just no. kind of like we're closed and then they hear that we're, they're going to reopen and they start working then but we never did that here we're you know like i said i think we had a lot more to lose and that's why mm. i was like we, we need to take precautions now and make sure yeah. that we're getting somewhere do you yeah. think you had more to lose because you're new or exactly. because you're the only essentially like place in town, if you will, for Little Village to come and have this experience at a bar? Um, I guess a little bit of both, I, you know, I, but predominantly I would say it, it had to do with the fact that we invested so much into this, right. into this business. And some of these other businesses might have been around for 20 years, you know, and maybe even longer. Some of these dive bars have been here forever. I mean, yeah, you're four, I mean, four months before the pandemic, like that's, as, as far as bars go, that's like taking your first steps, right? You know? Yeah, literally. Just finding your feeding after six yeah, months. Like, yeah, like, I mean, you know, bars, they always say like, can you make it the first year, you know, <laughs> and like four months, man, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the coolest things about you know, we talked about it a little bit before, you know, how there's so many different neighborhoods and things like that in Chicago, but, and obviously I've never, this is my first time here, but it sounds like that you really filled, uh, filled something that, you know, it sounds like that this, this neighborhood needed a, a bar like this, you know? Yeah. We were filling a void that, yeah. that nobody else was, was looking at. And, and I pride myself in that because I actually listened to the community. I listened to what people are asking and, that's that's I think one of the problems that a, a, a lot of liquor stores and, and bars have is is they, um, and I'm not saying all of them. There's some really great bars, and I'm I'm, hope, ho- I'm hoping that um, that they make it through this because I'd hate to see some of these hidden gems around the city disappear. <sighs> yeah. It's 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 hard it's hard to see, but um, with my store, I was listening to, to the 
community and I was listening to the people that were coming in and I, and I saw a need and I said, well, you know, we don't have anywhere where people can come, relax, have a nice cocktail. Yeah. You have to go downtown or you have to go over to Logan Square. And I was like, that's not fair. Yeah. So it, it definitely um, it, it helped a lot when I was thinking about opening this place and understanding what people were doing. But I also I did my numbers and, hmm. and everything was, was panning out great. And you have you have the perfect almost study next door. There's people yeah. coming into the liquor store all the time. Yeah. And those and those are the people that you know that you're like, listen, if I opened a bar next door, is there a chance that you'd come in and have a drink? Exactly, and they're like, yeah. dude, that's exactly what we need. So you, you had like the market research, if you like. You 100%. Know? And that was years of market research. Right. Yeah, mean, literally, literally. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of market research, I've always been curious, and I don't remember asking you this last time. What is your reach as far as your customers in a store? Because I know you're obviously solidified immediately outside your door, two sure. or three blocks deep. Yeah. Um, and then obviously your tequila and your mezcal collection is top notch. And then you've got great barrel, single barrel whiskey picks and then your whiskey, uh, whiskey uh, aisle. How far is that reach that you have? How, you know, I've always been curious about that. Um, without sounding cocky. No, 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 please. No. <laughs> it's yeah. international. The whole yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, I get people that come to Chicago got to come to Moreno's or they're yeah. like mm. Moreno's, you know, just, you know, I live in Cicero or I live in, you know, Garfield or I live in, you know, Logan. I'm going to Moreno's. I know he'll have it or I'm just, he always has something. You know? Yeah, I, I get, I mean, it, it honestly has reached um, extraordinarily far. I mean, cool. I, when I look at the data analytics and Google and, and everything else, mm -hmm. it shows where people are, are looking for us and, I've gotten pings from Russia, Japan, Australia. That's why I we have that one Russian wi listener, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there always is one Did download. you all there's have a Russian listener? There's one download a month like from Russia. Yeah, It's <laughs> <laughs> probably fake. But <laughs> well, we – so I, I get emails um, cool. from people that all the way – heck, I got a, a guy that, that emailed me from uh, Japan just a month ago asking Sweet. about if I could ship over to Japan. I told him, I said, unfortunately, I can't. But if you're ever in Chicago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, come on by. So I, I get people from all over. Um, if you're ever making a pit stop in Chai Town, <laughs> yeah. you know, pop into Moreno's. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you know, next time you're on your way. <laughs> next time you're passing through. <laughs> <laughs> but um, From Tokyo. <laughs> but I'm from Tokyo, exactly. Might be for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be waiting for that. For I've, I've seen, so I, I have a, a really good customer that comes from uh, Stockholm every year to shop oh, wow. from us. Cool. Um, I've found myself in Oaxaca and Mexico where I've literally run into people that are like, oh, you're the owner of Moreno's, which I was like, I'm like <laughs> a market. Yeah. Uh, it's so far away. Right. How on earth did you know that? You're, cool. you're in some pueblo in yeah, the middle of nowhere exactly. in Mexico and they're like, oh, you're the owner of Moreno's? Oh, <laughs> nice, man. I've been there a couple of times. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think I think a lot of a lot of it has to do with, um, with our passion. The passion, yeah. like mm -hmm. I said, that speaks tenfold. So I always tell people, that um, that if you want to be successful, you have to be passionate about what you do, mm -hmm. and that is so important. So, I have people that that know about us all the way in California and Mexico, mm -hmm. all over the place. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that has to do with with like I said, the the uniqueness that, that we bring to the table. I mean, the products we have here are just mm -hmm. you're not going to find these kind of products anywhere else. Right. Um, I mean, I just brought in uh, another uh, Oaxacan whiskey that is fantastic. Wow. Oh. So there's, cool. you know, you come here and you could find six different Oaxacan or Mexican, I should say, not all, I think all of them actually are from Oaxaca, but in any case, I have six different whiskeys from Mexico alone. Hmm. 
I mean, how many places can say that? Sierra Norte? Yeah. Huh? Yep. I've got some right in the bar Ooh, right back there. Doing, doing some work with them. Sierra Norte is awesome. Yeah. I love their stuff. It's good stuff. But, um, but yeah, so that goes a long way. And then at the same time, these single barrels that you were mentioning, mm -hmm. like, I put a lot of time and effort into my single barrel program. Right. And it shows. And I'm always really nervous when I come out with a new single barrel because mm. you don't know if people are going to like what you're, what you're bringing to the table. Right. But that, that uh, seems to be a whole new trend. I mean, we're getting a lot of customers now. Right. We were known for our mezcals and our tequilas mm -hmm. for years. But now we're being um, well-recognized in the industry for mm -hmm. our whiskey selection. That's cool. And that um, was something that I worked on for so long mm -hmm. to finally get to this point, and it's, it's exciting. Yeah, I'll, p I'll pat you on the back um, so you don't have to do it yourself, but your, <laughs> uh, your line for the smoke wagon release, and you oh, put yeah. that on that day of, right? Just put out like, hey, we have this coming in, and all of a sudden there's a giant line around the corner. Yeah, I posted it up the day before, um, <laughs> and we had – so in total, I, I split it up into two days to try. I was hoping that yeah. it was going to be like, oh, people <laughs> will come in throughout the day, and that definitely didn't happen. So if I were to put both the days that I released the uh, whistle or whistle pig, the uh, smoke wagon, it was four hours. That's Jeez. how quickly I sold out. How many cases? Um, I think that was thirty cases. Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah. Nice. People love their booze, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's such a vast selection too, and fairly priced, which helps 100%. out a lot. And people come. Yeah, I mean, people have mentioned all over the country as I travel for work, your place and. Uh, truly known for that. I know all the whiskey nerds are always keeping their eye out in here too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Top-notch places uh, to come to find some good gems. You yeah. should see the, the constant phone calls. I'll probably get another twenty today. Like, I uh, I heard about your store. You have a fantastic selection. Um, I'm curious. You have any of these? And I'm like, yeah. What are you What are you looking for? They're like, oh, uh, Pappy twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You have that Heaven Hill twenty seven year old. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, definitely. It's yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm drinking some now. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go th um, go on with barrel picks right now and barrel selections when obviously the economy is hurting a little bit, but people are still buying their booze? Sure. Um, as far as – so the funny thing is, is all the picks that I've been doing other than uh, my Ezra Brook pick, which okay. I recently did. I actually haven't posted it on it yet. I probably should. But um, You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> yeah, you're getting the, the sneak peek right This here. summer. <laughs> Actually, November. <laughs> in a world, in November. <laughs> so they come out quarterly. So um, nice. uh, I was doing all my picks at home. Oh. Uh, so I had the reason why I said whistle pick was because I was thinking about the pandemic. So I did a, a bespoke blend. And um, for those that don't know what a bespoke blend is, bespoke actually means to uh, hand, like hand pick, hand, hand pick. curate. And, um, and hand blend. Yeah. so, yeah, so I was Did doing you blend my, it? I blended it myself. I got That's it right legit, over there. Man. We'll That's try so it at cool. the end. Nice. So I'm cool. really happy with, with how this one came out, but um, that one was, I think, the pick, or I shouldn't say pick, blend that I did that made me the most nervous out of all of them. I'm sure. Mm. Because I was doing that at home oh, by myself shit, yeah. in quarantine. They sent me, like, I was supposed to go out to Vermont and, and you know, yeah. check it out. And I love doing those things because it, it helps educate me as well. But they sent me a package with all the little blends and, like, a little, like, beaker. To, and I was cool. like, You were, like, oh walking on an eggshell. So I was like, I can't yeah. break any of this shit. Like, yeah. This is really important for me. <laughs> it took me two hours. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. And, and But the difference is that. it would take longer, quite 
honest. It, it depends, but I mean, the difference is that I'm usually accustomed to doing my blends with other people there that can try it, or, or even my single barrels. I'm used to people trying them and, and giving me their, their Are you married? opinion. I'm not. I no. was going to say, can you imagine your poor wife? You're just like, can you try this one? <laughs> He's mentioned his girlfriend like five times. Oh, sorry. Where are you? Just once. Just once. <laughs> sorry. I, I don't, I don't I, remember. I have, to, I have to say it in, in the podcast because she gets mad every time that you guys put up that little thing where I talk about, oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wait, sorry. What was this? My bad. My Date bad. place. Yeah. What was yeah. this? So the last podcast, uh-huh. I, I, 49, I yeah. said, you know, I jokingly, and I will say it again, jokingly. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think she's going to listen this far Such into the podcast. Such a good clip, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But, that, you know, that was kind of the, the on, ongoing joke that I was making because, it, you know, it is an intimate place. perfect for dates. Yeah. So okay. every time you guys post that, <laughs> you're always giving me shit. <laughs> you give me shit every single time that that thing goes up. I'll take all the blame for that. I, I post everything, so yeah. my bad. <laughs> I am sorry, truly. But I was, so I was thinking, like, can you imagine you were blind and just getting her wasted over from the corner? You're like, try this one, try this one. <laughs> Two hours of whiskey tastes. Two hours of whiskey tastes, exactly. No. I think my wife would still hate me for that, even though she works in the industry. <laughs> so it took you two hours to do your bespoke? It did. Yeah, it took me two hours to do that. I'm pretty cool. They send you the package turnaround. and everything, that though. That's cool. That is yeah. is it, how long? How long is it taking most people, by the way? Uh, three days, maybe. Three Sometimes. days. I mean, yeah. It depends wow. on when do you start in the morning? Do you start well, in the evening, afternoon? Have okay. you eaten? So on and so forth. I mean, that makes sense. I, I understand what, what you're yeah. saying there. I definitely. So yeah, I, I blended it in two hours okay but i did try it again the next day gotcha um and that that definitely i think yeah um sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) so that definitely that definitely um was something that i wanted to try again because my palate was shocked okay i mean i by the end i was like i don't know what i'm drinking or if it's going to be good or not um but yeah so that that definitely that definitely had changed you take a break uh Sure. Yeah. Do you need to do something? Yeah. Go I for have it, no idea. And we're back after a short little delay. <laughs> Don't laugh, Callum. Sorry. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, I wasn't here. I went to get the door. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you answer to the one who knocks. <laughs> no, but I wanted to kind of get into the mindset of, Mike, what you were thinking after like four to six weeks of the bars being closed. What was your move? Were you kind of focusing? Did you turn all of your attention to the store after everything was closed down? Um, I turned majority of my attention to the store, but obviously I was still working and, and focused on, on the bar as well. So, like I said, two weeks after um, the bar had closed, yeah, I immediately I got a, I got a message from my bar manager, and she said, "This isn't going to be just two weeks, is it?" And I said, "No." that it's going to be a lot longer than that. And we immediately started working. We said, okay, what can we do? In April, they had allowed, they started the um, the state, if I remember correctly, not just the city, the state allowed cocktails uh, to mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yes. It wasn't the full cocktails to go yet. It was more of the bullshit, like we're going to allow you to sell everything on the side and then a whole bottle. Right. Yeah. Which didn't help anyone. Not to be sealed no. and all that kind of stuff. A, yeah. a package. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It was it it's was ridiculous because <laughs> we couldn't make the same margins that we were making. And to be honest with you, I wasn't making any money on that, but I was keeping us relevant. And that right. was the whole point was to keep us relevant. So we were selling those to go and saying, like, hey, we're still here. Mm-hmm. And at the same time. You were one of the first bars I saw doing that, too. Yeah. There, yeah. Was, there was, like, not 
Fountainhead was doing out of their market pretty quickly, but that mm-hmm. was out of the market too, not the yeah. bar itself. It's kind of all in one, but exactly. Yeah. yeah, there were not a lot of places that were doing that. Um, so when we started, we were like maybe one of three or four I places. I think Bub City was pretty early on it. Yeah, like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there were a few places, but not a lot. Um, and but it's I like you were saying before, you know, you guys were on it from the get-go you know there were some bars that when they said oh you can do cocktails to go that some bars were like oh cocktails go allowed now let's start looking at ways that we can do that whereas before that was even happening you were like okay how are we going to figure this out how are we going to start to make some kind of revenue well again like i said i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we just opened Mm. and it's very easy to forget about a bar that just opened Mm -hmm. compared to a place that's been there for you know a hundred years building a brand and all that kind of thing exactly like skylark for example over on halstead and and cermak one of my favorite little dive bars that i go to they've been there forever yeah so people aren't going to forget them but Mm. a brand new bar it's only four months old that that's that's easily uh forgettable and um so we we're trying to make ourselves relevant. And uh-huh. at the same time, we were working really heavily on the marketing aspect. So we were doing a lot of videos. Yeah. yeah um, videos. If you look at our social media between April to June, there were a ton of videos that we were putting mm-hmm. out, like educational videos about how to make your own cocktails, yeah. videos about the cocktails that we were selling, as well as, um, you know, videos like educational seminars and videos that I w- was doing with Zoom or uh, tastings that I was doing, profiles that people would, would expect. And it helped engage the consumer a lot more uh, so much so that it was actually pretty funny because I was putting it, I was putting those same videos in the store side and people were like, Oh, this is really neat. But Can there was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it was well, the funny thing is that there was a, um, another store that, that is always trying to uh, compete with us or rival. Hmm. They want to be Moreno's not going to say which store, <laughs> but in any case, um, Don't give them the airtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, they started doing their own videos after our videos were ah. coming out. So I found it like somewhat humorous. But at the same time, I was like, oh, you know, I guess it's kind of like a compliment. And at the same time, people were like, well, we can't go to bars. Let's do cocktails at home. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of cool that other stores were also trying to show. They say that emulation is the highest form of flattery. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I was blushing when I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, thanks, guys. Thanks for the call out. (laughs) Picasso always said the best artists steal. There you go, man. (laughs) That's true. Very true. But how do you go, like, going back to, you put two years into this, obviously, developing it. I'm sure there was many more years before that, thinking about it, um, developing ideas, because it's probably always living inside of you once it becomes, you know, an idea. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's ripped away from you without any fault of your own. Like, how do you feel as a business owner? Especially when this is like your blood, your sweat, your money, like everything goes into it. Um, at first, I, like I said, it, it was everything just when you watch everything crash around you, um, it was con- extremely terrifying. I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. But one thing that I've always taught myself is that you have to persevere through hard yeah, times. A hundred percent. Without without that, you're not going to make it in this industry. You're not going to make it as a business owner. Mm. Or in Chicago. Um, it's yeah. true. True. I mean, the amount of, in of life. businesses. <laughs> yeah, everything. I mean, yeah. like the amount of businesses that, that fail within the first three years is astronomical. Yeah. Um, and I refuse to be a part of that number. Um, so as an entrepreneur... 
I've always kind of looked at, okay, how can I adapt to changing climates? And I think that's something that my store and my bar did magically. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a proper word? Magically, yeah. magically, mm-hmm. magically, magically delicious. Magically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in any case, I was really focused on, on, on figuring out how we're going to make it through this pandemic yeah. and changing and adapting to that. And one of the things was the single barrels. We started you know, pumping out a lot That's more of our cool. single barrels because mm-hmm. we knew that. So the way yeah. I, I, I saw your page, like why, why, are the sing- why were you doing more single barrels? So you have to differentiate yourself from other liquor stores mm-hmm. and people are drinking a lot more because what else are they going to do? They're at home. A lot of them are out of work. I mean, it just human nature at right. this point. <laughs> Fill the void. It's part of every day now. Right. They used and to be part of the weekend. Now exactly. it's part of every day. Yeah. So um, these single barrels kept us relevant at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, were those single barrels already planned out or were you approached by brands or did you approach brands out and say, hey, we, we can still do this. Let's do it. I approached brands and, and I was telling them that I was still interested in, in doing the single barrels. Mm-hmm. A nice. lot of stores were probably thinking, we need to stop this. We need to halt the single barrel programs mm-hmm. and because it's a, it's a huge investment. Exactly. I, I don't think people yeah, realize how much. Please go expl- it. explain it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a 53 gallon barrel, 30 to 40 cases. Some, I mean, at, at minimum, I've seen maybe 25 cases, but um, that's a that's a large investment. You're talking, it could be twelve thousand dollars that yeah. you just put in, or more. It really depends on which barrel you 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 picked, um, and you're not a hundred percent sure how quickly that's going to turn around. But when I was looking at it, and I was looking at at the sales that we had done on our single barrels, I knew that we had something on our hands that was going to keep pushing through mm-hmm. I was I, I was saying we need to make sure that we're holding some money back for mm-hmm. our single barrel program mm-hmm. because if the sales are going up because people are drinking more how are we keeping ourselves relevant from the other liquor stores that are out there mm-hmm. I mean why would people still as you were mentioning you were stating that okay we have a nice foothold in the little village community mm-hmm. but how far does how that far reach out? go right. well when you're dealing with a pandemic and people are worried about going the distance yep. how are you going to keep those customers because the the neighborhood can only help me so much before i need the help from people outside yeah. of the neighborhood i mean we were being we were relying a lot on the tourists that were coming in we were relying a lot on the people from Michigan, Indiana, and Wisconsin oh, yeah. that used to come here every Sunday to visit family and pick up. So how are we going to stay relevant? Well, we need to make sure that we're keeping on top of that single barrel program where we're at least reaching out to the Chicago land market where people are saying, hey, you know what? Uh, they're taking the precautions. They're making people wear masks and they have the six foot distancing. You know, they, they have the, the plexiglass that I have covering the entire front of our, our uh, um cash registers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you want them to feel safe but you want them to also feel like there's an incentive yeah and that's what i was really working on Understood. after all the conversations we've had over the last five six months through the pandemic um not saying that people haven't taken this approach but you have the mental most i guess comparable identity or a mentality to what brands are doing um yeah. you've created the brand itself and to stay relevant putting everything out on social media having the barrel picks makes you a unique where everyone is at home um, for brands to try to figure out how do I make a cocktail, a home cocktail video that will separate myself from the other brands that are doing it too and still stay in face, which we see, we've talked a lot about over the last six weeks, how a lot of ba- brands have faded away from social media in that engagement because 
maybe it's lack of ideas, um, maybe just being tired out of the pandemic and not putting in that full effort, but you're still there with not just Ositos, but also with Moreno's too. 100%. Is that was like, did you see brands doing that and taking ideas from them? Or was it just, hey, like, I'm going to stay relevant in my own way? Um, ironically, I feel like a lot of brands were actually reaching out to me. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, like, saying, hey, I really like what you're doing. How would you like to, to work with us? That's beautiful. Um, so, I, like I said, I, I don't know how every other liquor store was, was working during the pandemic. But I feel like we were being very proactive. A lot of and podcasts were started. Let's put yeah. it that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust well, the, me. Um, Amazon ran out of mics. Amazon ran out of podcast mics. Like the first like week. <laughs> Didn't know so that. Crazy. Yeah. It was insane. I, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> surprise me though. Right. But yeah. So I, I was getting um, people reaching out to me and saying, hey, let's do a, a Zoom yeah. you know, meeting or let's do this and that. And there was so many different ideas that were floating around. And that also inspired me to keep working on, okay, what else can we do? How right. else can we differentiate ourselves? Yeah. And it, and it worked really well. I mean, the bar itself, for example, um, when we reopened, it started off a little slow because there was still some uncertainty, but people knew we were still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just started just recently really picking up that traction again. Where yeah. now we're like, I feel as if the bar is back. Like, you know, we're not at the full capacity that we were before, but right. we're getting that steady stream of people that are coming in. But you got the patio and the parking lounge. Exactly, <laughs> the, the parking lounge, <laughs> and the pa- it's so important. Um, so yeah, so it, it, you have to keep yourself relevant no yeah. matter yeah. what. No, in diversifying, it's uh, it's so important, which we're all figuring out these days right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it never ceases to amaze me, man. Like, you know, especially, obviously, big liquor stores like Benny's and things like that, they, you know, I'm sure they saw a dip in sales at first, but they were always going to be safe because they're so big and it's where everybody like comes to, you know. Sure. It, it's the first thing when people think of booze in Chicago, they're like, oh, Benny's, you know. Um, Maybe. Well. Benny's and Moreno's. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, but in that order. <laughs> opposite order. Uh, but the, one of the things that really, really amazed me with like small business owners, whether they, it was bars, liquor stores, whatever it might be, was that, as Wilson was saying, those pivots like that people were doing and they happen so quickly and you said yeah. there that you guys were proactive and stuff but one thing i wanted to ask you about was you'd mentioned just before we started the podcast that you had a small brokerage firm yes how how did how did the pandemic affect that and like to use wilson's words what were there pivot points in there were the, was there something that you did in the brokerage firm that that you hadn't really done before was there a social media aspect to it what was going on there sure so i mean the brokerage firm is is um Basically, I, I was a th- I'm, I'm working as a third party to help bring okay. uh, brands in the Chicagoland area. Hmm. I don't have a lot of stuff that I brought in. You know, I've worked on Rancho Escondido, which is definitely mm-hmm. my largest brand that I've brought in. Um, that definitely took actually a, a very big hit. When I'm looking at the sales for Rancho compared to how it was doing uh, the year past, mm-hmm. it's not that it's that it went down so drastically. It was the fact that people are more hesitant mm-hmm. to buy anything new yeah i mean that that's kind of changed in july like yeah. there's some places that are like okay maybe i'll bring something new on but for most of this year once the pandemic hit we couldn't how are we supposed to get any new places i mean think about it you have january oh, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah you have january february and march everyone knows in the industry that no one is going to buy liquor they're they're not going to bring in like liquor stores and bars are not going to bring anything new in during that time it's too slow so okay that's already a wash 
And then you get into April and May and June, all these other months where the pandemic is hit, liquor stores aren't buying yeah. new products. Yeah. I mean, my store was buying a little bit, but it was far and few. And furloughed so, reps too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Think about all the furloughed reps. Yeah. So the, yeah. the sales definitely took a big hit there. Uh, to be honest with you, that's a, a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot that I could do uh, to really market that. I couldn't go out there and and, um, and actually work the floor. Uh, all I could do is, is just kind of see what liquor stores were looking for, if they needed uh, opportunities that maybe turn up. Yeah, exactly. And with Rancho, I didn't have that large. Um, I don't have the large pockets on that one as far as money that's coming in in order to invest in the marketing of that. Mm. It's just not one of those brands that, that I had the, the means to do that. Um, there's other brands that I brought in, Respiral, which is a fantastic mezcal, by the way. How long have you been doing that, the brokerage? Uh, since 20, well, I started, I started it in 2015 for marketing oh, cool. purposes right, predominantly. Nice. But I started bringing in products uh, in 2016. Hmm. Oh, so pretty so while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool, it man. was, you know, like I said, a lot of it. We were talking earlier off the podcast about how I lived in Madrid, and yeah, um, yeah. you know, I was I was studying uh, international business out there, and I've always been very fascinated by that. So for me, it was it was kind of a form of diversifying. As yeah. I'm sorry, f- uh, fascinated by the importing? By the importing. The okay. I- you know, um, the finding something I'm more new. in the importing portion than the exporting portion. <laughs> for those that understand Seinfeld references. Um, sorry. I don't. God I, damn don't. You. I, I don't. So. <laughs> you, you I don't. It. It's like, so, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I love Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that episode now. Like, <laughs> Elaine no, is telling him. I, I, I never caught up with Seinfeld, you know, and I feel like it's a massive hole in my American well, pop it's culture. it's on every hour, it's, so. It's, it's, a massive, yeah. it's a massive hole in my mind. <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah, no, I, that, that episode, so it was, um, who was it again? Was it was George, George, I believe. Yeah. Was right? it, or, is it or was it Elaine? See, now, now I'm forgetting things. <laughs> I thought it was George. Oh, it, it was, yeah, I think it was George. But wasn't it with the, the raincoats? No, no, that's a totally different episode. Oh, that was that one. I was thinking with the, his Here dad. Go, no, there's a whole there's a whole episode. <laughs> oh, where George, I think was was talking about like having um he was oh man how did the the beginning of that episode go? Oh, all, so I was, all I remember is that I the episode that, they were trying to lie to, <laughs> I believe it was like George's girlfriend or soon to be wife. And was saying that he's in the importing exporting business, right. and Elaine and George couldn't keep their stories like together. together. Yeah. yeah, it's like so. What do you do? And they're like, oh, I'm more in the importing portion, <laughs> and like kept making up stuff. It's a very funny episode. I, I yeah, it's definitely gonna have because I I listen to a lot of uh, the Ringer podcasts. Yeah, you know, and Bill Simmons is always talking about. They've, um, they've been thinking about buying us out. Oh really? Yeah, the Spotify, part Spotify. Of that Spotify deal. Yeah. <laughs> Two hundred twenty million or something was it? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, we we we, we got to be involved in that. <laughs> I feel like no matter what I do, I'm always throwing in little either Seinfeld or Simpsons references. Simpsons, um, I would get Seinfeld. <laughs> I need to. I need to. I I've need seen to catch one up episode of The Simpsons my entire life. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Like, horror. Likewise, I man. So just every couldn't day, get into it. yellow people just yeah. yellow people. <laughs> when I got yellow, it just when fucking I got back, scared me, man. I hate those yellow people. The yellow people <laughs> just, they scared me, bro. The four fingers that they have rather than five. No five. Never age. Yeah, it's like they never, they never grow <laughs> up. Well, Maggie's been a baby for like thirty years. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm true. saying. It's like it's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not a fan of it, bro. Uh, lovely. Okay. Every every day, six o'clock, when I used to come in from school, I would watch uh, 
would watch an episode of The Simpsons. There was one on every single day, but now they're on they're on like seven hundred episodes or something now. It's like the yeah, longest running show. Yeah, they ruined that that show. Unfortunately, I've not it's seen a any hard fanatic. I've not seen any of the recent stuff, but the <laughs> the original stuff is banging. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, the first I I always say the first ten seasons were fantastic, <laughs> and then the last twenty five or thirty or five hundred that they've come out with have not been. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're on. Yeah, they're on like the thirty first season. Uh, season. Yeah, I remember. Wow. This. <laughs> yeah. since high school. So imports. Yeah, imports. so imports. <laughs> so how are the importing? Uh, no, of course. So the, how does that work with a three-tier system? Because you, you, you mentioned you're, you would play the third. I'm a broker. Uh, third, so how I'm giving away too much. Now I'm going to. No, I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I'm really curious. I mean, how does that work, really? How so, does yeah, so I, I'm, so, um, I broker the deals. Okay. I technically, none of it ever goes through me. Okay. I'm merely you're just there the to middleman help okay. exactly some so knowledge in the industry the in the city exactly yeah so i'm gotcha. kind of like the uh brand ambassador yeah quote unquote of, of the brands that i'm sure you know a lot about but <laughs> yeah um but yeah so um I, none of this actually goes into a warehouse of mine so would you for example um the one that you were talking about before, what 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 was the name of it? Rancho Escondido. Rancho, yeah. Rancho Escondido. Okay, so with Rancho, you roll your R's beautifully. Thanks, it's, a, it's a Scottish he thing. He was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Told you. Um, and so, did you find Rancho Escondido? And then, and they you were like, you know, oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> this seems to happen to you a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm just in the right place at the right time. Um, at your liquor store, you maybe. I don't know. You make it all up. That. So I'm saying that's why you call him Don Miguel. Don Miguel. <laughs> I don't think enough people call me Don Miguel. <laughs> saying, Let's get bro. that going. Starting with your girlfriend. No, I'm totally. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding, girlfriend. Please don't shoot me. Like I said, I, I highly doubt she's listened this far into the podcast. Oh, thank God. We lost her to politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of it had to do with the connections that I have. I mean, that was one of the main reasons why um, my brokerage firm had, had taken off so quickly mm. was because I already had all the connections. I mean, I, I have a lot of very good friends in the industry. I knew a lot of the owners of these distributorships mm-hmm. of these import importing companies uh, by name. You mm-hmm. know, I had their their phone numbers, and so it worked really well. Uh, but at the same time, with my liquor store, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that come in here, and and no joke, when it comes to the, the tequila industry, a lot of people take my um, opinions along with my father's opinions very seriously. Okay. So before some of these products actually even come into the market, we will have. Uh, tequileros, mezcaleros, or people that, that own these brands come into our store and ask us for the, our honest feedback on oh, the wow, product. Yeah. And that opened up a whole other door. I was like, mm. well, do you have an importer? Are you looking for one? And that was a, a very good transition. However, there are a lot of really bad brands that try to get in here. Yeah. So uh, when you think about that, it definitely has... you got to pick and choose, right? A hundred percent. And uh, there are far less pickings. Yeah, and, of course. And, yeah, uh, people would assume. I mean, yeah, if you have fifty brands coming to you, great. But a lot of those brands just aren't of the quality that you would want to bring in. And I, th- I think one of the really one of the really cool things about that then is the idea that you know, if, if especially if your dad's been in the business for a long time, for you, years. well, you know, forty three years <laughs> of experience, right? Yeah. Then that's amazing for you as a broker. Then you can also rely on him. You can say, Dad, you know, the, I've got. I've got, there's this brand that's come up, you know, has reared its head, if you like, and I kind of like it. I'm not too sure about it, and he'll know so much about it. He'll be able to, you know, lend 100%. his opinion, which is, you know, to be able to rely on that experience is, that's, 
un- invaluable, you know? Yeah, and, and um, you know, I learned a lot from my father, and, and he definitely taught me a lot. And I think one of the most interesting things, or one of the funny things for me is uh, Elijah Craig pick mm-hmm. that I had done at the end of last year. We called it... Uh, that one? On your shirt? Oh, the marshmallow one. <laughs> yeah, the marshmallow one. Yeah, no, not this one. This is an Elijah Craig 23-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I did an Elijah Craig 23-year-old pick. That'd be insane. How many cases to get out of that? Yeah, 12 at most, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But um, no, so I had, I did one called Stay Puffed. Okay. And I named it that because I got a lot of toasted marshmallow flavor profiles. Nice. It. It it, yeah, I, I was really happy with how that one came out, but... That was the first time that me and my father went together down to Kentucky. Oh, wicked. Cool. That's okay. super yeah. cool. So it was it was a really for me it was it was an, a very intimate um, you know relationship between me and my father picking a barrel and like kind of um, understanding that our palates for tequila and mezcal were not only the exact same but our palates for whiskey. Dude, were that's, the exact amazing, same. Cool. that's amazing. Cool. Genetics. Well, bro. this was the funny thing is that uh, when we were doing our pick at um, at Heaven Hill, mm-hmm. we my dad was very insistent that I not look at what he was writing down. Oh, nice! And so we were like, okay. So we kind of stood at different parts of the Rick House, and we were sampling them and writing our notes down. And then at the end, um, they're like, "So which one did you like?" And I picked it. And my dad was like, "I picked the same one." And we reviewed <laughs> our notes. And I swear to God, it was word <laughs> for awesome. word the same thing that I had wrote down as far as flavor profiles. I mean, it was identical. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's insane. So man. It, yeah, that's crazy. It was really that's crazy. super cool though that you can do that with your with your old man like that. that yeah, that's so a special moment, right? It was Especially a lot if it's your first one, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I my my father has a lot of trust in me, and obviously mm-hmm. at this point, we've gone into a drastic transition phase. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, my father isn't here right now. I mean, they come in. Um, for a little bit, maybe an hour, two I'm hours at most. On payday. <laughs> like, so he comes guy? to pick up his where's checks. That <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a fact. But, <laughs> but, um, but you know, he they, they don't come in as, as much. They're yeah. still definitely a part of the business. Of but I've, I've taken more, uh, more of that role now. Responsibilities, yeah. And my father trusted me so much to do a lot of these picks and stuff on my own. Um, back when, when I had first started working at the store and he had never done a single barrel pick in Kentucky. And I told him, I said, dad, you have to come down right. with me. I said, it's such a great trip and oh, I'd love amazing. for you to experience yeah. this with me. And he loved it and it was so much fun. And um, my father, who I have so much respect for, who's picked some great tequilas in his life, who, who really has this, this outstanding knowledge as a whole um, to come down with me and, and to really kind of have this moment where we were able to sit down and have a cigar and enjoy a nice whiskey together. Yeah, legit. yeah we Amazing. had we opened up um, the Evan Williams 23 year old when we finished that pick. We went wow. back to our, our Airbnb and we opened that up, poured some out and had some nice cigars and just kind of mm. relaxed. He brought some Cohibas. Oh, oh so yeah, nice. Like, oh, so it was it was it was really a, a very memorable moment of mine. Of course. I mean, 43 years as well in the business. Let's <laughs> so fair amount of experience though. yeah he well my father my father started off you know with my grandfather in the grocery business so it all worked out he kind of understood how to run the business and that's that right there shows the generations mm-hmm. of, of kind of learning mm-hmm. you know we yeah. my father learned from his father and i learned from mine and we keep building off of that and, and mm-hmm. expanding and 
that's what's so fun. That's so cool. Man. I think that's the biggest risk that we're at right now is losing those stories and losing those oh, family man. interactions when it comes to just focusing on the bar and, you know, bar industry and the liquor store industry, anything encompassing spirits. It's there's so much family incorporated into almost every aspect of it. Yeah. You know, and, and when you were saying that, um, you know, four of probably the biggest scotches in the world, Johnny Walker, Chivas Regal, Ballantines, you know, oh, yeah. the, they all started in gross. They were all grocers. Yeah. Really? Like John, John and James Chivas were grocers. George Ballantyne was a grocer. Like, it, it, and literally what, what happened was what you were just describing. And right. you're so right. You know, the, part of the reason that Scotch is such a massive, massive thing today is because of those stories, that heritage of it all. And you're totally right, man. You know, I think. Yeah. And bourbons are still getting to that. Right. That and like old tub was just released, you know, this past week. That's right. Where we're yeah. going back to the roots of Jim Beam, of the Beam Distillery mm-hmm. before it even had the name Beam on yeah. it. And really honoring that tradition and still with that family name, those families tied to those names, not just as brand ambassadors and figureheads, but of people who work every single day in the distillery to build the brand. Yeah. And losing those stories is. But when it, it, but when it comes from those larger brands that we speak of, which we all have a vast amount of respect for, I mean, how much of it to, to use Mike's point about it is how much is it to their intent is more to keep us relevant. I mean, we all know the white label being, we all know the black label, the extra being, you know, all these other Kentucky distillers, what they're doing now, releasing these mm-hmm. old, you know, the dusties, what they, yeah. you know, but in today's formula maybe so maybe not how much is that is true i mean how much are you really trying to tell a story or are you just keeping our interest well it's an idea of the marketplace where you can't die it's about what you said it is relevance and pivoting to new ideas if you Mm -hmm. stick on what you grew like with light white label a beam eventually people are going to fade out because more whiskey drinkers are coming to the bar, coming to liquor stores day in, day out. Mm-hmm. And they're not just looking for a $15, $20 bottle of whiskey. They're in search of many other things. And yeah. to compete, obviously, yeah, it's advertising. There's a part of that. Is it the best whiskey you're ever going to taste? No. Is it good? Absolutely. And it, yeah. out, it outshined my um, preconceived notions of it. Um, it's the same with like early times. times. Right. Like, oh. You know. Think about that brand. Right. Early times you can't even find on the shelves anymore. Oh, it's I, so hard. I might have something to do with that. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's where it all went. <laughs> I, have, I think I purchased four bottles over the last week. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. I right. mean, like, yeah. I used to be able to get early times however many, whenever I wanted. Now right. it's like, hey, do you have early times? Like, no, sorry, it's all sold out. Like, what the fuck is going on? I feel well, like yeah. I, know where it's, I know where it's all going to. I'll put it that way. The yeah, they have a few, they have a few sh- cases out on the shelf this weekend at every store I went to. Those bastards. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, at least they're still selling it for twenty three ninety nine, whatever it is, versus yeah. I've seen it $31, $33, which isn't crazy. crazy, but for... No, but I get it. Right. For early times, like, come on, we all know early right. times. But, but it's, I mean, it's a great 100-proof bourbon to have. It's I fantastic. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. You have a thought, Callum? No, I... I, I <laughs> There's do you want to sell some high-end scotch? No, no. <laughs> well, actually, on that note, I noticed that you guys have our um, have the Abbott oh, our fifteen-year-old. Yeah, I'm so impressed, man. Like, oh, yeah. there's there's n- no bottles of that left, so that's pretty cool. I, um, I so that, that scotch selection, a lot of that, that was my father that, that okay. really oh, nice. brought it to that level. Mm. Uh, we worked really hard on that scotch, dude. The the scotch collection's fantastic. You know, there's the thirty year old Bavini in there. I saw, I even that saw on your bar, you've got you got the eighteen, uh, the open eighteen year old, yeah. which is you don't see that often. So yeah. super cool, man. Um, but no, what I was gonna say was that I feel that 
now more than ever and I, i'm new to the whiskey or relatively new you know sure. I, I, obviously in scotland you can drink when you're 18 so there was like for me i didn't really start drinking whiskey until i was like 20 21 and i'd and i'd been boozing for three years right or two years actually I didn't, <laughs> he's 24 now I, I, <laughs> I didn't start drinking until i didn't start drinking really until i was 19 either so i was a little bit late to the game but um one of the things that I feel, and you guys being in the whiskey industry way longer than me, you'll be able to tell me, but I feel like with things like Instagram and stuff and more of these whiskey collectors coming out of the woodwork, that now more than ever, you know, people are starting to do this collection thing, mm, you know? Yeah. I think before it was maybe something that was for a high-end elite gentleman, but now, you know, you, every man and his dog, it seems like, has has a whiskey collection, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I like I was telling you before the pod, I lived in the Dominican Republic for two years and that's the last place on the planet you would expect people to be really, really into like having a whiskey collection. But more and more and more of the people as, as the years went on that I was living there, more and more people were like, oh yeah, actually I've, I've got a little collection now. I've got like 31 bottles and I'm like, that's where all the pappies go in these days. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> that's where it all I went. doubt it. <laughs> so international cases of pappy yeah. 20. Yeah. yeah. I mean, status is also, I think, uh, yeah. culturally, some like I know in Mexico, when I, we went down there for Cobal. I did not go. Uh, Don't include me. Sorry, <laughs> I just. I didn't uh, get. Make that. I didn't get. Didn't get make that trip. Um, one of the things that I noticed was uh, in Guadalajara and in Ciudad de Mexico, uh, the more expensive bottle of whiskey, the higher status you held within yourself. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So I always wondered how how many other uh, cultures or countries. Uh, use spirits as yeah. a status uh, yeah and in the dr measure. they in the dr you know the 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 you kind of move up the rungs of liquor or spirits if uh, you like you know you start with beer mm. and then people will go to rum like mum uh, rum rum sorry can't even speak anymore <laughs> i'm like getting confused between all the languages and um, lack of food yeah probably and <laughs> uh, then they'll go to rum and then like once you kind of make it you know then you'll go to bourbon and then you'll go up to scotch like you know yeah that's what they'll say mm. but um and, and to be honest like a lot of people don't drink it because they like the taste a lot of them just drink it because of the status it gives right. them you know which is insane to us but um they're they're crazy about it man they're absolutely crazy about it and we see the shift of smaller distillers like smoke wagon coming mm -hmm. out now and being sought after which uh you know you can buy a bottle of their bourbon for 31 dollars yeah um, that's super story. cool that's right. super cool right. yeah obviously yeah. the barrel slucks are a little more than that but sure. they're sure. obviously there's a reason for that because yeah. there's less of them of the inventory wise and it's, it's select uh, literally mm -hmm. to its word but uh in like pin hooks which we talk about oh, all man. the time I that's a phenomenal hooks. whiskey See, that's man. one of the things that i'm really proud of at my store is that I keep my ear really low to the ground and I'm always trying to find something unique right. and different. And so mm. um, when I hear about these small brands, I always say, well, I'll try it. The worst thing that's going to happen is I say no, yep. mm -hmm. but I'll try the brands. And, and sometimes you find these just hidden gems. Pinhook, when oh. I had it, was fantastic. Man, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am, I'm, I'm, crazy. I'm crazy about Pinhook. It's <laughs> such good whiskey. The first time he, the first time Jake let me just knows it, it's got this beautiful really nice. citrus like nose. Yeah. I, can't, I can't remember the one that we had. It was a rye. I was the pinhook right. It was God, the it was bright so green tasty. label. The rye, the rye is actually right on one of my surprisingly one of my favorites, and it's the most common one that you're gonna find. It out. was one I of mean, those Woodman's finds that they had for like on the shelf for like thirty two dollars a year ago before it kind of like really exploded. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was oh, like, uh, so tasty. Right it's humor. really good stuff. Right humor was it? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no, it is. And their bourbons are also equally. Uh, yeah, good. we we tried a, one of the bourbons recently. You, you tried about half a bottle of it. Oh, okay. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. Hey. Don't remember night. that part. Late night at the well, it goes household. back to what you experimented <laughs> with your bespoke. I mean, it's just a master in the art of blending. Yeah. yeah. Which is essentially what. Which you do in your what you do in your living room now. now you're doing <laughs> which I do, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do it in my underwear. In the lab. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call it now. I'm in the lab in my underwear. So when's your bespoke coming done to come in? My bespoke is done. It's it's up there. I, I had a Oh a that's right. You mentioned it's on your yeah. bar. Yeah, it's here. It's here. It, it's two hours. I'm really proud of that there. one. I really am. And like I said, I was I was like sweating bullets because it's hundred and thirteen dollars a bottle, hundred and sixteen dollars a bottle. Wow. So yeah, when it came out, I was like, God, I really hope people like this. How many, it's how very many, expensive. How many bottles did you? Um, how, how many, many bottles, bottles have I sold so far? Well, how many bottles did you? It helps get with the cover your hand your, on a podcast um, when talking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many bottles did you get from that? Blend? I think, if I remember correctly, that was thirty cases. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that Damn, was thirty man. cases. But I've already nice. sold. I've already lot. sold uh, ten of those cases. Oh. Yeah, Quick. at that yeah nice. for it's been I've had it for three weeks. That's pretty fast in my. Oh, opinion, you've had it for, for three weeks. Three weeks for that Jeez. for that price. It's pretty fast right yeah. now. It's everything going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is you know I, keeping yourself relevant and everything. And mm-hmm. um, actually, today now that I think about it, when I woke up this morning, um, one of the things that that really made me feel good and, and understand that that we're doing something right is. Um, so beverage dynamics um i'm not sure if you guys read the magazine but beverage dynamics had released the top 100 best retail liquor stores in the country and they sent me (laughs) they sent me this morning in an email the article and um we're on there so to get top 100 best retail liquor stores congrats congrats. absolutely so we you know this is our second year getting top 100 and that Nationally, right? Yeah, nationally. nationally. That's amazing, man. So, Congratulations. Yeah, that's that's huge, man. I appreciate it. And it's all right. I mean, he did it. It's never as good the second time. It's hard. <laughs> you no, know, and that's the thing. It's like when, you know, in our in our positions, it's sometimes it's, it takes a lot of work to get that first bottle and just on the, on the back bar or even mm-hmm. on, the, on the menu. But, man, that's second, third, and fourth. So I commend you very much on Thank that. You. Highly on that because that's hard well, to stay relevant, as you mentioned. Exactly. I mean, with everything going on, um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had forgot yeah. that they had actually, that I had been put into that, that kind of like yeah. wheel of stores that might get it this year. You know, I, they had shot us a message, I think back in early March saying, Hey, you know, you're one of the contenders. But at that time I was like, Oh, I hope we get it again. But then everything happened and you just kind of lose track. Yeah, of, you forget um, yeah. In, in, in the midst of everything else. Yeah, so. your focus on, your on mind your business, focus is and which is how you should be. That's how you get on those lists is, yeah. you know, you're, you're working as hard as you can to make your business relevant and to make sure that your customer service and everything else is where it should be. Yeah, that's so, so cool, man. Congrats. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, yeah. yeah, thank you. Fingers crossed with everything, you know we can return to some normalcy eventually here in the next few months. What's the future of Moreno's and also with uh, Ositos? Well, I think the future of Moreno's is to start our own scotch company, apparently. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you'd be amazed at how many, how many uh, brand stories sound exactly like yours. I mean, the future, (laughs) that, that doesn't surprise me, but for me, like the future, um, I'm still keeping my options open. I'm going to be honest with you. And that, that's not saying that Moreno Slickers isn't going to be here for another hundred years. Um, I, I'm very big into diversifying my portfolio mm-hmm. and, and kind of working to see 
you know, how the Moreno brand and name image can keep growing. Uh, we've definitely at this point built up um, a reputation and a brand where if I wanted to start, let's say, my own uh, tequila or mezcal, I could, and it would probably do very well na nationally. Um, or if I wanted to expand on the liquor store on a national level, I probably could, and it would do very well because of that recognition. So I'm keeping my doors open, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out what is the best next move for the company as a whole. That's Great. exciting, man. Um, so it's very exciting. It's, it's very fair. exciting to see uh, the growth and, and uh, to um, see where, where we're all going. Because right now, I, you know, I, a lot of people are saying, well, I look one day at a time. Yes, I do that, but I also look, 10 steps ahead yeah, short term medium years, term long term right, yeah 100 percent, and that's how you really want to i think good entrepreneurs um that's something that they're always looking at is they they look at what they're doing right now mm -hmm. but they're also looking at where is my business going to be in five ten years yeah right. up and 100%. at them and then yeah i mean by noon you've put in a full day before everyone else even started about working 100 understood sounds good good place to end yeah yeah this gentleman needs to get back to his business sure it's true we're taking over an hour of his time now Mike, that was amazing. Thank yeah, you, man. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Mike. No, thank you all for having me Mucha on. Yeah. Gracias, Mike. Congratulations for everything. Um, appreciate you having us once again. Third time's a charm. For Wilson <laughs> Torres of Union Horse Distilling Co. Of Callum James O'Donnell. John. Uh, John, <laughs> why not? <laughs> of Abelauer over in Scotland. Myself, Jake Hookie of Star Wars Whiskey. Thanks for listening. Mike, thanks again for having us. And uh, everybody stay safe and uh, be good out there. And don't be afraid to wear a mask. <laughs> 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 Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers. Have a good one.